Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast Friday night preview show. Yes, indeed, it is 7pm on a Friday, which means that me, Stamford Chidge, is sitting in front of a computer screen staring lovingly at Mr Jonathan Kidd, who I haven't seen for at least four days. Chidge, I never knew you cared. I know. I do, really. I'm all heart. It's it's all untrue, these filthy rumours that I'm a heartless bastard, but... uh, I do care deeply. How are you? You all right? Good, thank you. Yep, yep, yep. All good. All good. Lovely jubbly. Now, uh, as ever, we have uh, a third member of the ever-increasing Chelsea fancast mob with us. And uh, I'm delighted to say one of my favourite Friday night guests, uh, largely because he always encourages me to have a beer whilst doing the show, just to keep him company, the wonderful Mr Wickham. You know, you pulled the beer before me. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I was just in in anticipation, Martin. That's oh, of all, course you know. it was. Yeah, I'm just like all good boy scouts. Be prepared. You know. So there you go. We've got lovely Martin with us, and uh, as always, of course, for a, for part one of the Friday night preview show, we've got a lovely journalist with us, and of course, tonight we've got one of our new friends who's become very very popular on the show, uh, Mr. Sam Incasol from Football London. Well, you're far too kind as always, Chish. Thanks for having me on as always, though. Much appreciated. Good evening to you all. Well, lovely to see you, Sam, as it always is. And we're going to kick off, uh, as you know, part one, all about Chelsea news from the week. Obviously, the big news of the week is how utterly wonderful uh, we were against Atletico Madrid, uh, which, um, I mean, I have to be honest, as I said on Monday, I think, I had a sneaking suspicion we no, might... No, you didn't. I so Well, I, I certainly said it in a tweet to... Uh, to Mr. X before I can prove it to you. Not that I have to, but I had a feeling we might get something out of it, actually. I really did. Because Tommy Tommy, Tommy Tactics, as we should now call him, uh, did a good number, I thought, but a massive result. Um, but really, you know, we won it through a piece of sheer brilliance by the ever-wonderful, the bearded genius that is Oli Giroud, Sam. Yeah, it was one of those games where it, it kind of looked like it was meandering into nothing. Nothing was going to happen, and it was always going to take a moment of genius or a mistake from someone to to make the difference. And Giroud popped up with that wonder goal. I mean, but we've seen we've seen him do the spectacular before, so maybe it wasn't as surprising as we initially thought. But yeah. Uh, Tuchel got it spot on with his tactics. Um, I think he was helped by the fact that Atletico were fantastically cautious with their 6-3-1 um, formation, essentially, that they were playing. And that was fantastically diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be kind, but yeah, they were they were really... Well, 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 Atletico were poor. There's, absolutely, there's, there's no other way to say it. They were poor. It was not what we was expecting from them. But Chelsea did a number on them. They kept João Felix quiet, kept Luis Suarez quiet, didn't rise to Suarez's um, histrionics, shall we say. And yeah, he got it absolutely spot on, did Tuchel, bringing Hudson, keeping Hudson-Odoi in the starting eleven as well for the game, which was a big call as well, but that panned out and everything just went as he probably hoped it would. And uh, yeah, it was by far and away the best performance, I think, that uh, that they've had under his stewardship so far. I know it's only eight games, but it, it, he got it absolutely spot on from minute one and they deserve to win. Um, it was one of the more, most comfortable 1-0 wins you'll, you will ever see, I think. I mean, the interesting thing, Sam, it could have been and perhaps should have been a lot more. JK, your your chum Werner didn't really cover himself in glory, but I don't I don't want to be too churlish about it because the no, reality no, he, is it was a great result. At least he had a few shots. You know, we're seeing some evolution from him, and he's 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 
I, mean, I don't know whether it was because they were so poor at shutting him down, but he's a, if, if he fits into this role, because he's a very swift player indeed, if he can fit into this uh, um, tactical setup. I mean, we've had to re really reappraise after that because that was genius, completely genius uh, um, uh, way of playing. And I think he was trying to do that at the weekend to an extent with Southampton. And that's why Adoy so pissed him off because he wasn't doing what he asked him to do. But I thought uh, um, I thought that several players were fit into this role absolutely perfectly. What it's supposed to be the, the counter pressing, isn't it? The number of times they they push the team, uh, they push the opposition basically out to, to to kick the ball out or give away throws. They're just not given any opportunity other than a long ball. And other than the first few minutes that we had, where there was a bit of trepidation with obviously with Mount's foul, which is going to make the the second leg interesting because he won't be uh, he won't be involved. Um, uh, it it uh, and the and Mendy's heavy touch. There was never any any possibility of it. Well, we didn't never looked as if we would we would concede except being Chelsea. Of course, I'm still sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for. You, you something still are even now. The match has been over now three I am. days. I know. I'm on the end of my seat, <clears throat> but I, I felt that our, to to reappraise it, it was actually suddenly a, a vote of great confidence for the man for for Tuchel, because I actually thought I get what he's trying to do now. And and uh, it was it was quite joyous. It was quite a joyous experience watching that. I have to say. Well, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. I think it was a bit too tense for that. I have to say, Martin, what what surprised me, um, you know, well, I mean, you know, we could we could argue this to the cows come home about the the relative merits of La Liga versus the Premier League and whether the Premier League is a lot stronger than La Liga, but. I expected a lot more from Atletico Madrid. And I mean, for them to be... I mean, OK, I know that they defended with six to try and counteract uh, our threat, which, of course, is through the wing-backs. But I really didn't expect them to have so little ambition. And they, I mean, they were at home, for God's sake. I was really surprised by that. Well, technically, they weren't at home, were well, they? Well, you know They're what in, I mean. It, it was, you know, it will say home tie, but it wasn't a home game. They were playing in Bucharest, not Madrid. But you are right, and I do agree with you. I expected a lot more from them. I thought, um, but Jao Felix is reasonably quiet. The only noise you heard from Suarez is when he tried to pinch Rudiger's thigh. There's Naughty. A, yeah, a little bit of little bit of shit Dennis there, Wise, eat your heart out. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Dennis Wise pinched his thigh. <laughs> well, no, didn't he? Didn't he pinch Nicky Butt? Yeah, but it's where he, he pinched him. Nicky's butt. Yeah. Not Nicky's quite. Butt. Other way. Other side. Nipple, wouldn't it? <laughs> I thought. End a of his like, cock. No, it, was it wasn't, was it? I heard it was a bit low down. It was... <laughs> why, but, um... why hasn't there been any retrospective um, um, uh, VAR looking at the, the obvious pinching of Rudiger's thigh? Why has nothing <laughs> happened with that? I mean, because you just don't you, don't you don't get done for that. It's not dangerous play. Well, what is it then? You just look like a bit of a bell end. Graham Lasso, Graham Lasso, who who I, I got to know very well. I, I worked with him back in two thousand six, and he's a, a very misunderstood bloke. He's got a huge sense of humour, and I really like Graham Lasso. And he he told me a hilarious story about when he first played against. Uh, I think he was playing for England, one of his first England matches, and he ended up playing against Italy. And he learnt very quickly the dark arts of Italian football. That every time, I think it might have even been Gentili, actually, although I could be wrong. But anyway, whoever it was, whenever they got close to him, they would link arms and then basically try and rip the 
uh, nipple hair away from him. He said it was excruciating. But they were always having a, a jab at him somehow like that. And it always involved pinching or something like that. But anyway, we digress. Uh, Martin and, and Sam as well, actually, because uh, I, I think, uh, actually, I'll ask you, Sam. I, I know we're all loving Giroud's brilliance, which we absolutely should. Of course, a moment in in the same breath, both ruined and, and exonerated by VAR... But nevertheless, a brilliant moment. But actually, I, 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 Christensen really caught my eye. I, I was really worried about the fact that we weren't going to have the experience of silver at the heart of the defence. But I thought Christensen was superb, even you know, notwithstanding Atletico Madrid weren't that ambitious. But I thought he was really good. We lost you, mate. You muted yourself. Say that again. That's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, Yeah, no. Yeah, I say he's been he's been fantastic since he came into the side. I mean, I remember when when Silver went down against Spurs, um, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of worry about how Chelsea's defense would cope without Thiago Silva there. Uh, But Christensen's come in um, and has done fantastically well. I mean, you have to think the only goal that that has been conceded when he's been on the pitch was Rudiger's own goal against Sheffield United. He wasn't on the pitch for. uh, Kumi Minamino's goal for Southampton. So um, he he didn't have much to do um, on uh, in midweek, but what he did do, he did well, and you can see why he uh, he fares much better in a back three than he does in um, if he if um, if you're playing a flat back four, uh, vice versa. Kurt Zuma is probably better in a back four than he is in a back five. Um, so, but you can see why Tuchel was, uh, 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 has preferred Christensen. And he, yeah, he'd say he didn't have much to do, but what, he just did the basics right. Um, he won his aerial challenges when he needed to, which was a, um, a bit of a knock against him. He was not necessarily as strong in the air as Kurt Zuma was. But I thought he was fantastic. Um, I, I think I put a tweet out saying how good he was, I yeah. think, in, 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 in that game at the week, in the week. So, yeah, he, he, he's been brilliant. Uh, he, it, it's, almost not, it's almost made the loss of Silva not as badly felt as we all thought it would be. Uh, and he deserves immense credit. He does indeed. Uh, and I mean, actually, to, to an extent, so does Tuchel for understanding if you put players in their best positions... Who knew? They play quite well. Now, um, somebody else who plays well every week, JK, who we absolutely adore hugely, is Mason Mount, um, who got booked. I thought the referee was particularly officious, but they tend to be, don't they, in Europe? But he got a yellow card, which means he misses the next leg. Uh, but on the on the plus side, so does Jorginho. So not all is lost. So we've you got. Still, have you still got it against Jorginho? I didn't think it was I, bad. I, I thought. I thought no. In all honesty, I'm making a joke, mate. But you know, I, I think Jorginho is great at what he does. It's just. It's just that what he does, I don't think, is necessarily good enough against teams that have an element of ambition. We'll talk we've about said, this. We've said. But yeah. then why does why does the manager um, keep picking him? Well, because I think. I mean, funny enough, I've written written. Uh, I shouldn't tell Sam this because I owe him one, and, and I haven't done it yet. But I've just done my CFC UK piece, which is mo- it was basically picking up on Tony's wonderfully epic rant about footballing dressage. But actually, I I countered that by saying that actually, you know, I can understand why Tuchel needs a player like Jorginho for most of the games at the moment because he is good at keeping possession. Although I have to say, he gave the ball away a lot against Atletico but generally he's he's a risk averse football player and if you've got a team that are that are lacking in confidence and having been haven't really you know been getting many wins which is the case when 
Tuchel came in. You do have to go back to basics, and basics is not letting in any goals and keeping hold of the ball, because when you've got the ball, the opposition aren't going to hurt you. So I, I do see the, the, the point of, of Jorginho, but I, I still don't think we've really played... A, I mean, we'll talk about it later, I know, but on, on Sunday it could be very different because we're going to play a team that's going to really have at us. And I do worry about him in that situation. And frankly, I think that Kante and Kovacic uh, are much better footballers than him, and I would much rather see them in there. But hey, it's a game of opinions, and I, I, I don't I don't claim to have the divine right to be right on it. It's just how I, how I feel. I think it's also picking up the killer pass. I think he tries to play killer passes. A few times he overhit. There was a period in the first half when they overhit. Yeah. But, um, there was a lot of overhit passes in that game. I don't know whether it was... You know, someone had a club foot, or it was just a really it was all shit a bit odd, pitch. But it? it was a bit, yeah. The whole game felt but both a bit sides weird did it as well. Didn't it? But I yeah. still think, I still think, I'm trying to look at what Tuchel appreciates in him because we all have this this thing about Jorginho. If he doesn't cope with with players that that that, that are uh, basically he's not quick enough to deal with anybody running at him. The fact that Tuchel picks him, I'm, I've, I want to see what the manager is attempting to do in this instance. Keep the ball. It, Clearly, something that he thinks is absolutely correct, but, but in, rather think, than play Kante and Kovacic. But I think it. I think it's that. I think it's. I mean, Sam might have a, a view on this because he, he he has to you know get his hands much dirtier than we do on this. But I, I think Sam, it is. It's about keeping the ball, and that's why he likes him, right? Yeah, I think you're spot on, and and the fact that he recycles the ball quickly as well, I think that helps. Um, but I think yeah. I mean, it's a really tough decision that he's got to make between um, Jorginho and Kante. Um, I thought Kante was incredible against uh, mm. against Southampton. He was he was back to his best. Uh, he was, uh, wasn't he? Yeah. That yeah. We've, that, the, the Kante that we know from the last few years, not just with Chelsea as well, but with Leicester. Um, but Jorginho has usurped him at the moment. And I think it's just the fact that he gets the ball, gets his head up and recycles it quickly and keeps the ball moving. I think that's what it is. He does that thing really well of looking as if he's going in one direction and then turning around in the other. And he's suddenly got a massive space. You just think, yeah, that's actually quite clever. There's some clever moments in Jorginho's play. But, but the, the the weak, you know, you cannot, we cannot at the same, you know, in the same breath, we've got to actually, you know, talk about his weaknesses too. And I mean, we've yeah, we've I seen agree. it, we've, we've seen it we've happen. Established we've, we've established Yeah, them. I mean, so many times, smart, uh, smart. I mean, it was really interesting. I thought that Hassan Hutul put two men on Alonso, which basically took him out of the game. You know, you do that with, with the, I think, I think that's the thing for me about Jorginho. He's very one dimensional. You know, you know what you get out of him and what you get out of him when it's the right game is superb. And there are very few better at it. But if you get a smart manager, you can take him out of the game. You put two people on him, you close him down, you put him under pressure or you, you, you just bypass him. You run past him and therefore, you know that's that's what worries me. But anyway, let's not make this into a Jorginho show. Um, I need a couple pick up on a couple of things with you, Sam, that have uh, you know come to light in in football London, particularly this week. There's some really good stuff that you've been doing, you boys, you and Adam, and a few others. Uh, Tammy stalling on his contract. Uh, I think that got picked up from somewhere else. But of course, the other news is Roman's war chest, and uh, and how that might relate to uh, us getting Haaland. So, would you like to apprise us of these wonderful? Nuanced stories. Yeah, well, I mean, Erling Haaland's going to be linked with anyone and everyone. I think. Well, well, the, well actually, that's not that's not the case because um, his agent came out in the week, didn't he? Mina Raiola, and said that maybe I think was it seven clubs could afford him, and four of them are in the Premier League, and one of them is Chelsea. Uh, I still, th- I th- I think striker is still an area that that well, I think it's, it's pretty clear that Chelsea want to strengthen is up front. Um, 
for all, uh, I, 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 that's not saying that they should sell Olivier Giroud. I think Chelsea should give him another contract. Personally, I'm not sure if that's a controversial opinion or not, but I think they should. Oh, I love um, him. He's wonderful. We'd all love that, wouldn't we? Absolutely, he absolutely should stay for even if even if, I know Chelsea's obviously um, their policy with offering players over thirty big contracts etc. But so whatever they do, I think they should keep him. But yeah, Holland, you've got to look towards the future as well. He's he is the alongside and Kylian Mbappe obviously is the signing that you want to make. He is the player in Europe that you want to have at your club. He looks like he was built in some sort of laboratory for a striker. How good he is. Um, and it's a bit like Ivan Drago, doesn't it? It's, there is a bit of that. If you if if you're going to push if you're going to push yourself over the top, then Haaland's the kind of signing that you that you'd make. Um, and we know that Roman's obviously not afraid to splash the cash. We know that that's not exactly a secret. So whether they can get him this summer, we'll see. But I think it, I, I think yeah, if. If there's going to be a, a the, the big money signing that Chelsea make this summer, then it will be they'll, they'll, they'll certainly be chasing after Holland, but they won't be the only ones. So whether they can attract him or not, we'll see. But I, I'm certain they need to get top four. That's an absolute minimum to get that over the line for, for a start. Martin, when did we start dealing with Mino Raiola? Is what I want to know. I don't think anyone like I, I mean every time Man United have a bad result, he's trying to get Pogba out the out the back door there so I'm not sure we need to be dealing with that prick too much and plus our record with strikers is such I'm still concerned that we'll end up signing the son and getting the finishing power of his dad so and also I'm I'm not sure you could get any worse I'm not not sure you could you could well then I'll finger Haaland no I'm not I honestly I don't see how you could even potentially ruin um oh oh, we'll find a way I know, we will Ch- I know Chelsea and their record. Yeah, and then we'll go who's fucking born in Leeds. I'm not having that, blah, blah, blah. I think, uh, yeah. yeah. It would just be, he would be an incredible signing. For he, he, I think he would. I mean, look, I think what we all tend to forget, we, we all live in a bit of a fancy football world in our, in our own heads, but there are no guarantees in life about anything. So just because people are really, really good somewhere else doesn't necessarily guarantee that they're going to be brilliant for us. Um but I think I think Sam. I mean, picking up from a lot of the writing that's been doing the rounds this week, it it does look as if uh, Roman's going to go large in the summer. I mean that. I mean, it, you know, we might not get Haaland, but Roman is going to flat, you know, splash the cash. That look, that's a pretty certainty, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Um, there's good, there's obviously the financial impact with with coronavirus, but then it affects some clubs more than others. And um, I think Chelsea will still be able to buy the players that they would like to buy if if they can obviously if they if they're available so i'm still expecting a busy summer um in terms of personally for work i think i'm going to be quite busy this summer <laughs> uh, but i'm also expecting chelsea to have a busy summer because yeah tammy abraham olivier Giroud. um i mean Giroud, i think we as we all agreed on Giroud should stay i mean what would what would your opinion be on tammy abraham would you would you would you keep him around or well personally to the panel well, I, personally, I would because I, I think that he's still young and I think he can still get better. And I think his, his record speaks for itself and I don't think that can be ignored. But, you know, there is, there is an interesting reality there too, isn't there? I mean, we look at Mason Mount and we can say, Jesus, this guy, he's got it all now. I mean, he will only get better, but he's good enough now. Tammy has a way to go, I think, before he is 
good enough to be, you know, a, a, a club that wants to win the Premier League and wants to compete and win the Champions League again. He's a long way off that. But I, I think it's too early to write him off, Jonathan. If you bought a star striker, where would Tammy play? Probably not. So therefore, well, then, yeah, you know, that's where we are. What's the use of keeping him? You might as well cash in on him. Yeah, but I mean, you could say the same about Giroud, couldn't you? I mean, if 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 you get if you get, uh, you know, if we buy a new striker, clearly somebody's got to go. It's yeah. not going to be Timo Werner. That means it's either going to be Tammy or Giroud. And if it's a choice between Tammy and Giroud, I would let Giroud go. He's going to make the decision, isn't he, by refusing to sign the contract? Yeah, but Matt Law was saying he doesn't think that's right. And I mean, as Sam will testify, you know, Matt usually knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, he he knows a bit more than I do. Well, I wouldn't say that necessarily, Sam. But I mean, you know, I think I think I think Matt's a credible guy. He's pretty close to the club. Listen, Sam, we've got to let you go. But before we we've got to let you go, Sam. But before we do, um, have you got any biggies coming up this week? I mean, you know, Adam Adam gave us a little bit of a. He didn't tell us exactly. He he actually WhatsApp me afterwards. I still haven't told everybody else, and I don't think it's seen the light yet. But he. But have you got any biggies coming up this week? I personally haven't, no, but Adam does. Um, he's got a couple of interviews lined up, I know, that um, that he's conducted in the last couple of days, so um, they'll be certainly be worth watching. Um, but me, me personally, well, I'm kind of revolving around matches and things at the moment, and what with the, the ridiculous amount of fixtures that we've got going on at the moment, it's actually quite hard to try and get your teeth into bits and bobs. Yeah, but, I bet. Um, all I'll say is just, uh, if you like, give, give me a follow on Twitter and uh, and, and keep, keep it on our Football London and then they can read your column as well, Chish. They can if, when, I, when I write it, which with a bit of luck will be tomorrow morning, Sam. So who's, who's at the game uh, on Sunday, you or, you or Adam? Uh, that's me. I'm at the game on I'm at the game on Sunday. Um, so one of us will try and get your uh, we'll get your all right call, call, call him up on Sunday morning for sure. Well, look, to all the listeners, make sure you follow at Sam underscore Incasol TM, and then you'll get all the latest of what's going on at the bridge on Sunday. Sam, as always, it's a real delight to have you on the show. We love seeing you. Stay safe. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and we will see you back here soon. As always, thank you very much for having me on, mate. Appreciate it. Good to see you all. Brilliant stuff. Right after this very short but very sweet break. Uh, we have the return of a legend, a Chelsea fancast legend, even though technically he was never part of the Chelsea fancast. All will be revealed after this break. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Footballfancast.com Right, uh, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge. Him down there, the coiffured Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Whoop. And the lovely, intelligent, the brains of an otherwise no-brain outfit, Mr. Martin Wickham. Been called brainy before. You're very yeah, kind. You are. You are. <laughs> now, uh, of course, uh, every week on the Friday, uh, we like to get an opposition fan in. Where we do this: the opposition view. And this week is a real treat for me and Jonathan in particular, because for uh, well, I mean, you know, basically we've pilfered the idea of doing a Friday night preview show from our our previous incarnation on Love Sport Radio, which we miss hugely. 
One of the reasons why we miss it hugely is because some poor, unsuspecting, lovely, professional broadcaster used to have to put up with us, absolutely ripping out of him and behaving very, very badly. And amazingly enough, he still likes us and he still talks to us and he actually has agreed to come on tonight. Uh, and his name is the wonderful Aaron Paul. I've never been called the wonderful. Aaron. Well, you are wonderful, mate. We loved you, mate. I'll take that. Thank you, mate. Thank you. It's a it's a pleasure to be back after what two years? Is it? It's, it's is it two years? Like two years? Oh, wowzers! Two years since I left wow. Fastball. Two years since wow. uh, I joined the dark side of the of the corporation and uh, well, I rejoined the corporation and and you know. I wanted to ask you about that because because mm. you are you you know obviously we made you famous when you you hosted the Chelsea Fancast uh, but but you really are you really are famous now you're on the BBC mate good God what's happening uh, yeah it's uh, it's amazing how it's all taken off but yeah I'm uh, one of the voices at the football on Saturdays I cover a lot of VFL I cover mainly football league I've got a new show I'm actually on the radio tonight nine o'clock BBC Radio Five Live so we're, we're... Wow. is that oh, the squad. Yeah, no, no, no. Seventy-two plus. It's the the football league show with um. So we've got Danny Cowley, uh, Glenn Murray. We've oh. got Ryan Lowe, Plymouth manager, and we've got the new Wimbledon manager, Mark Robinson, as well. So beefy show, beefy show, beefy pod. We're loving it. Well, I'll tell you something. You know, I was in a terrible mood the other day. Terrible mood the other day. Right? <laughs> and you know, sometimes you just need to find something that really cheers you up. And I thought, what? What what would do it? And you know, a lot of people would would you know fire up incognito mode on their laptops and search for something that's potentially you know, let's just say you know, on the other side of of, of what we're looking for. This is a fan dark web. show, dark web. Yeah, the, the dark webs. Yeah, that's right. I went into YouTube and I just searched Jonathan Kidd animation reel. <laughs> and I swear, <laughs> nothing gives me more joy. JK, I've got to say, mate, I I miss you terribly. Oh, I Kid, thought you were going to say so much, man. Bangers and mash. I thought you were going to say. Oh, I miss you. I miss Clayton. I miss Mark. Geez, there was a point in time when Mark used to bring that style style of <laughs> every week, <laughs> and he started singing Chelsea Rent Boys, and obviously that's just off com. I was like, no, no. There's something good video on my Instagram. He's like. Dun, 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 dun. And he builds it up and he's like, Chelsea. I'm like, no, 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 no. And you just see me hit the dump button and Paddy just screwing in the box. But, you know, we had such a good year together. We, we had such a good year together. I mean, literally, it was like a bike ride to Banana Hill, wasn't it? It was like a bike ride to Banana Hill. That's so true. It's, yeah, we had fun. It's really we funny, fun actually, because you mentioned Paddy. Paddy, our, 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 our collectively our long suffering producer on Love Sport. And, um, you know, we had a vote this week on on the Monday version of the Chelsea Fancast as to as to whether because of course Paddy's also a Man United Man United fan, yeah. You know, and we who who should we get as our Man United opposition view, Aaron or Paddy? And you got the vote unanimously. Much as we love Paddy, you won hands down, that's, mate. That's because he's more Aggie than me, and <laughs> you don't want Aggie. Like he's just he'd just sit there and go for fuck's sake. No, but he, no, like, no, no. He'd just say potato, potato. Well, evening. I wouldn't go that far. You know, I can't really sort of just say something like that. He, <laughs> I can. He'd literally just sit here and get ag. We, but I'll we, give I'll, I'll give you a bit of it. Well, I'll try and give you a bit of insight and and sort of my thoughts on on things. But well, yeah, it's just it's good to be back. It's, it's lovely, to Aaron. It's lovely to see you. But I mean, I have to say, you know, on a serious point, I'm I'm delighted to see you know how how well you're doing on on Thank Five you. Live, and you're doing Thank some great work there. And it's lovely to see some good things happening to good people. 
Uh, you know, particularly after I got the tin tack from Love Sport, you know, my career's obviously gone down the toilet. Everyone, got I'm not bitter. Tin-tack. I'm not bitter or envious it's, it's, at it's, all, mate. Because it's, it's called budget. It's you called deserve budget. it all, mate. You deserve it. All. Uh, at the end, at the end of the day, look. Um, you know, I, I, I can probably talk about it. I can probably talk about it now. It was two years on, and everything <laughs> they paid me and all that. But the fact of the matter is, is that some slippery nonce decided he wanted my job. <laughs> <laughs> he decided to undercut me and do it for a cheaper price. <laughs> and the fact of the matter, the scary fact of the matter is, is that you know, obviously, I had Millwall fans threatening to blow the gaff up, which is great. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? The Millwall boys literally were like, "We'll <laughs> go in there Millwall. and we'll just start swearing." I was like, "No, don't do that, don't do that." <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's just it's just the way it is in the sort of broadcasting world. Someone else thought they can come in, do uh, a cheaper job. Myself and Bubba both left. Um, Brian Moore left it. Brian Moore, oh, disgusting, oh, disgusting. That's the thing is he couldn't say your name. He's called Stamford Fridge, didn't Stanford he? Stanford Fridge. 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 Disgusting. You know, um, myself, Brian left. A lot of people left on one day. It was one day. It was the fifth of March. Yeah. One day, everyone got cold, yeah. which was actually a year to the day they started yeah. the station. Yeah. And you know the messages I got from a lot of Chelsea fans. I never ever got to come on and say thank you. The amount of messages I got from Chelsea fans was unreal. Well, Aaron, Aaron, I because you know we're on we're live. You know this is this Are is we? yeah this is live, mate. It goes out on Mixler, mate, which is a go. slightly bigger um, radio network than BBC, obviously. But, no, ever so slightly. But I, I, we got some messages in tonight, and as you're lovely, I'm going to read them out to you from Brian Justman. He says Aaron was the best presenter on the Love Sport Fancast. Apart from me, obviously, Brian is what you meant to say, but um, much better than the chap that took over for him yeah, from English John, Dan. Yeah. Uh, English Dan also says he did a wonderful job. So there you go. There's a lot of love out there from a lot of people who, who would listen you know, in every Friday. We had some of the best times on that show. I mean, I, I it just the one the one thing I regret is going to Dubai when you had Spy on. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gutted. I, was I a good program. That, that was a good program. Was, yeah, which is brilliant. But every week, you know what? Seeing yourself, seeing kiddo, seeing you know uh, uh, Clayton and everyone, you guys were 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 such a, a brilliant, brilliant tonic in a place which was very toxic at, at points <laughs> of working. You you guys were so good, and you well, know what? We, a lot of the fans different. Are. Aaron, were we different from other podcasts? Were you different? Were uh, we? You're more organised. You're more organised. You had you had like sort of. Spells of nuttiness, you know. Uh, you had a guy, Dan Dan Silver, who'd sit and eat his dinner during the whole thing, and he'd just rustle <laughs> along. And one day, Paddy was like, that's it, Dan, no more fucking food. Yeah, and it was just hilarious. He saw all the delivery to the studio, and he'd be like, do you, do you want a bit of burger? He, like, did, Mate, he did, he did. We're doing radio, pal. You had JK one day turned up in a penguin outfit. I don't know why, I've still got a video of him. You, you have JK who'd fall asleep during shows, which is the best thing. He'd sit there like that, he'd go, actually, I think Rudiger's quite good. And he'd be like, where's he come from, you know? You had Marco, who was just, you know, just... You don't know what was going to come out next, but you know what? We had such good fun, Chidge. Yeah. We had such well, good they, they're, fun. They're week, mate, mate. They, they've been keeping me entertained loyally and royally for for thirteen years, and they're you're very lucky. I am. I'm blessed. They're a cracking bunch. I'm, I'm proud and delighted to call them all great mates. The one thing that I miss is like you in a way, but uh, I miss not seeing them in the boozer for a pint or few on a match day. And we should talk about the match because we've got you on, obviously, because you are a, apart from everything else, you're a big Man United fan. Yeah, um, no, I did, yeah. So let's get let's tuck straight into this massive, massive match coming up on Sunday. Yeah. Um. Obviously, 
I'm amazed to hear this, but you've you lot have not lost away since the last time we beat you. I think or something like that. I think we we're the last to beat you away. But anyway, you haven't you haven't lost away all season. Uh, we um, I think we're going for four uh, consecutive. Uh, you know not conceding a goal matches for a long time so it's going to be a real real massive match now first thing in view of the fact that you know I remember earlier in the season everybody was talking about Frank Lampard managing Chelsea uh you know Arteta managing Arsenal Stevie Gerrard managing Rangers and of course Oli managing United many people thought that he'd be gone by now and he's still there uh, he's so still he's the still there he's still at the wheel so do you think sticking with Oli given that you're second in the league, has been vindicated? I, I think that's a very, very bad question, mate. <laughs> I think that's a terrible question, Chidge. Because at the end of the day, if you look at the Premier League, there's only one team out there that's actually consistent, that's actually putting runs together, that's actually in form, and that's City. Every other team has the the, the potential to sort of move and, and shift positions left, right and centre. And one thing about United is, is that actually... Considering we got dicked by Spurs and we didn't get beat, we got dicked by Spurs. After that, I generally thought we're we're banging trouble. And you know, I, I have a United podcast as well, the Manchester United Redcast, and you know, we we sit and it was depressing at some points. But but he's grinding results out, similar to Fergie before the first sort of trophy, the first FA Cup. He was grinding results out, ticking over, ticking over, ticking over. And I don't know if it's a case of, is it right that he's still in the job? But I think he, he's still in the job because they, they didn't go for Poch. I think if Poch was still available, there would be question marks every time he walked, every time he farted, every time he breathed. Because Oli had a, had a you know, he had a, a, a price on his head. He had a figure on his head for a long, long time. And I just constantly thought that back-to-back defeats in any game, and we'd be in trouble. But saying that, we've shown glimpses where we've actually looked like a good team. You know, obviously, look, we beat Southampton 9-0. Yeah, that a man sent over, two men sent off, and one of the goals was offside and whatever, you know, but we beat 9-0. Um, we start six pass leads. Then again, people do it every other week, and yeah, fine. But there's been points where we've looked like a real cohesive, good unit. There's been points where we've looked shit. There's also been points where we've looked... Like we flattered to the sea, we've looked, um, we've looked worrying in points, like really ask, worrying in points. I can ask you, does that depend not depend on his selection because he seems to change four? It's inconsistent, JK. You yeah. change four, and you think, why is he why yeah. has he got them? Yeah. and uh, and yeah. then you watch a side and you think that's he's got he's got them all together, all playing really well, and the next game there are three out, and you think, what's are they in nail head hits the on you just rearrange those words mate you you smashed it right right there you know the back line you look at it eric by you know what he he's an absolute nutcase but he's our nutcase and we we love him he's an athlete and when you've got defenders in the ilk of harold harold maguire and 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 lindelof who is lindelof is not a good center half by the way he's he's shit he's he's real real dog shit the problem is, is that we've got eight centre halves and they're all dog shit. You know, apart from Bay, who's, who's a good centre half, and he, he's just not consistent enough. But the way Oli rotates the the backline, the way he rotates uh, the midfield as well, the whole Pogba in, Pogba out situation, it's not been good. Even the front line as well. You know, he continually picks Martial, 
where Cavani was a better off, uh, option, yet he'd wait to bring Cavani on. Even Ahmed Diallo, yesterday, you know, they paid £40 million for a kid who no one knows anything about. He's played two games or something in his career. Everyone apparently is raving about him now because they've seen videos on YouTube of him training and, yeah, he looks great. Why not play him yesterday against Real Sociedad? We're 4-0 up in the first leg. Play him, but he won't. He'll play it safe. And that he's team that- selection for Sociedad was strange. I thought Terrible. there'd be a lot more players. I mean, sure, Tire came on, but the rest of it was just, did, that's did too strong a team beat, for a 4-0 lead. The beat, did he play him? Did he- he's injured. Oh, he's injured, OK. Van der Beek's injured. Cavani's injured, Pogba's injured, McTominay's injured. So, you know, the injuries are hitting us. But again, you know, you look at it and people talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, and him as a manager. This whole De, De Gea-Henderson debate is rattling on, is really going to rattle on. Well, and I mean, until... I was going to ask you, Aaron. I mean, mm. do you think... I mean, because De Gea is supposed to be one of these great goalkeepers, but he looks like a liability to me half the time. And you have got Henderson sitting there who's proved himself to be an absolute quality goalkeeper, who you might lose. So is De Gea a liability? Well, this is this is Chelsea, what, four years ago? Courtois and Czech, isn't it? All, all over yeah. again, where you've got someone on the bench who doesn't they, want to they, be on the they bench. They should have kept Czech. In fact, they did. They he's, he's, you know he's in our squad. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. is, isn't he? Like, he, Well, he's still there. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. With his helmet. <laughs> Is he still playing ice hockey? I don't know, mate. Is he still yeah, playing the drums? I think he is. Isn't he? He's playing in Guildford. Guildford Flames or something like that. Anyway, but, De Gea, is he a liability? I don't know if he's a liability. I think his race has run. Mm, wow. I think his race has run. 30 years old, I think there's a time to cash in, and I think that time to cash in is now. Juventus, Real Madrid, someone like that, go for it. And then go for Henderson and give Henderson that opportunity. To be honest, I'm surprised Romero didn't get that opportunity. Romero's older than De Gea, granted, but, you know, a fantastic goalkeeper. I think someone that maybe Chelsea should have looked at in the summer. Mm. Other clubs should have looked at Sergio Romero in the summer. Everton were looking at him, apparently, but United didn't want to sell him to to, to what's deemed a rival. But you look at it, we've always been blessed with goalkeepers, but now we've come to a real point, a real junction. And the problem Oli's Oli's always had, and I, I was speaking to someone, I can't name who it is, uh, but someone who was in Sir Alex Ferguson's backroom staff and who is a soundboard volley. Brian Spoke Kidd. No. No, mate, kid, I don't want nothing to do with United nowadays. What are you on about? Um, Mike but, Phelan. Uh, no, no, I'm not telling you, Chidge. I'm not telling you. I had a beer with this person. Uh, Jimmy Murphy. Did he manage Fulham? No, he didn't. No, no he didn't. He so it's didn't. not Reddy Mule and I know his daughter, though. I work with his daughter. His daughter works at, at BBC Radio Manchester. But um, basically, um, I, I had a chat with this guy, and he told me that Ollie phoned him when De Gea was struggling last season and asked him, have I made a mistake? And this person turns around to him and goes, you need to get Henderson back there ASAP. A-A-ASAP. Get him back there, get him playing Europa League, get him playing FA Cup, get him playing League Cup and put some pressure up him. Because at the end of the day, Chidge, you're in a job, kiddo, you're in a job, whatever. You know what, actually, you're two terrible people to pick because you both work for yourselves. Yeah, we're not stupid. You know, you put fire up someone and they're going to perform better. You look at Luke Shaw with Alex Tellez now. You know, Luke Shaw's having the season of his life. This yeah, is his best season. I noticed that. Best, best player, best occasionally best player on the pitch for me. Fantastic, sure. fantastic. Yeah. But that's because they brought Tellers back or Tellers in. Yeah. Now they've brought Henderson in, and you'd automatically think De Gea is going to 
played better. But what it seemed to have done is fired Henderson up even more. And he looks good. He looks good. I don't think any change will happen now. I think the change will come in the summer. Apparently, and this is according to one of the main football writers out there, uh, United have said that one of Henderson or De Gea won't yeah. be there in the summer. And for my money, it'll be De Gea. Okay, well, look, one person who, sh- who will, I'm sure, be there and who's actually been there for you for most this season has been a superb buy for you is Fernandes, who, apart from being a cheating diver, we have to say that on the Chelsea fancast, he is a superb player. There's no doubt about that. And I would say he's, he's the biggest threat to us uh, on Sunday. But you must have uh, you must have loved... I mean, he's been the difference for you lot this year, I would say. He's been the difference since he walked through the door. Yeah. He's our best signing since Robin Van Persie. Mm. Um, I, I... Bar... You look at the players who've had an impact. No one in those, however much we spent since Alex Ferguson retired, the only player that's come close to actually putting in the amount of effort is Ander Herrera. But he was blessed with less technical ability and less skill. Bruno Fernandes has been absolutely unreal. He carries our team. But there's that old thing where you'll have rival fans turn around going, oh, well, if you didn't have Bruno Fernandes, you'd be fourth or something like that. Well, you know what, mate? If, you know... If my auntie was my uncle, she'd have bollocks. Thank you. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. You know, it's like when, you know, the hair was saving us under the under LBG and really people are like, oh, if you didn't have the hair, you'd be relegated or something like that. This is why you buy those players. This is why you scout those players and you buy those players. Yeah. And if you look at United over the past few years, we haven't signed the right players. We, we haven't bought the right players. But this is... Fair play to Wally. He's picked the right one. He's I have to say, Aaron. One. Sorry, go on, JK. Go on. You do buy a large number of players, don't you? They do. I, I'm, I'm well, they you. did. No, they did. Now they're they're taking their time on everything, and it's becoming painful. We're missing out on people left, right, and centre. Yeah, but I mean, you know? you know, Aaron. I have to say, for for a team that are second in the league, albeit this is a very weird, screwed up year, and we all know that. You sound a bit depressed as a United fan. I would, I expect you to be a bit it's more not, chirpy it's about, tonight. It's not about being. It's not about being depressed. It's the fact that if you look at it and you ask anyone, you ask a blind man what United need, they'll tell you they need, they need a centre half. Mm. They'll tell you they need a centre half. Yeah. Yet again, we're, we're we're pissing around. We're we're wasting time. Like we Is did with, missing out on a of McCarno by any chance. Well, missing on a McCarno. I think the one that we missed out big time was. I think we missed out on Van Dyke. Back in the day, uh, we missed out on Van Dyke. We missed out on um, Alderweireld as well. When when he had that clause at Spurs, apparently they wanted him, but then Daniel Levy and whatever. But again, we're playing this game again where we're hoping to drive people down. Look at Sancho. Two years to sign a player. They, they might go in now and granted they might get him 10 million cheaper or 20 million cheaper, but there's a chance they might pay over the odds. It, it, here's, a question, here's a question for you because I, I think what I'm hearing here, which is quite interesting, is, is a remarkable similarity between our two beloved clubs at the moment. And I wonder if, you know, you're, I mean, because our transfer policy is absolutely why we're in frankly the mess that we're in even though you know we'll probably scrape through to get top four again but all the revolving managers has caused us to buy some really daft signings and we can't get rid of them and that's because the business wags the football that you know the business tail wags the football dog is that the same that's happening at united oh mate we're 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 a glorified cash cow yeah we are we are franchisees 
You know, that's what we are. It's an absolute disgrace. Tell you what, you want to know, you want to, you want proper football fuckeries, which I'll give you a class bit of football fuckeries. United's uh, record shirt sponsorship deal with Chevrolet ends this summer, this coming summer. Um, this was a deal that was brokered by someone at Chevrolet and was deemed so bad that he got sacked six months later because <laughs> it was a record deal. They didn't need it. They didn't want it. But General Motors sacked the guy off. United now have been sat there and their biggest thing is we need a shirt sponsor. Who are we going to get in the front of the shirt? Who are we going to get in the front of the shirt? They've done a deal with Chevrolet to extend the shirt sponsorship to New Year. What does that mean? That means that next year they'll release three new kits, but they'll want fans to buy a new set of kits in the summer and a new set of kits in January at £75 a hit. Scandalous. Yeah, so that's 450 quid on shirts they want to sell. They're trying to double the income, the income, bang, bang, bang. It's all about money. It's all about money for the Glazers and for their little rent boy guy, Ed Woodward. That's that's all it's ever been about. And, you know, this whole kit sponsorship thing, it's a disgrace when you think about it. Surely the FA should step in and go, you know what, no kit sponsor changes during the season. How can you change kit sponsor in January? and go, here, fans, we're going to print a new kit with Saudi Telecom on the front. Get your new United shirt. Sack off the Chevrolet one. But this is what we're about. Yeah. This is what we're about. At the end of the day, the, the, the stats are very clear. The Glazers have taken out £1.1 billion in the past 10 years. Mm. They have not put a penny into this club. This is the scary truth. In England, the only club whose owners have not put any money in is Manchester United. Yeah. It's self-sustainable and some. They can take cash out. Glazer's daughter has started taking cash out and taking money out of the club and, and just using it for whatever. And they granted, they're the owners. They can do what they want. But ultimately, let me tell you, Ed Woodward and co, they're very, very lucky that fans aren't in there. They're very lucky yeah. because before COVID, it was getting, it was starting to get a little bit messy where... Fans were starting to protest. You know, the United, and they, they they know about it. Indoors, they know all about it. And they tactically ban people and, you know, revoke their tickets when they get to the gate and stuff like that. They, they play little games and they, you know, block Twitter accounts and stuff like that. It was getting messy. And, and it's weird because this sort of breakwater that we've had with COVID has actually worked very, very well for the United board. Mm. When it comes to... Go on, JK. Symbolically, will they start wearing the green and white shirts again, you think, when we're all ba allowed back in? Oh, United fans? Green yeah. and gold. Yeah, green and the gold. Proper fan, the proper fans will. I mean, look, I've got one upstairs from, from the supporters, just the proper fans will. But the fact of the matter is, JK, for every one actual fan, one, one supporter, there's five or six people in different countries who will spunk money in the club shop yeah. and who will go and absolutely go for it. And and right, it they don't care. Similar, isn't it, Chips? They don't care. Chidges is very similar, isn't it? Well, I think that's the point I was making. There's a huge, yeah. uh, huge comparison to be made. I mean, because, you know, the reality is, Aaron, and I know you hate it as much as we all do, it's a successful model to a degree, certainly commercially, and that's where our club is now. It's all about the com commercial side of it. You know, as long as they, you know, t uh, Tony, who's not with us tonight, but, but coined the phrase ages ago, the Arsenalification of Chelsea. 
but it, it, it's it's putting up with mediocrity because it makes you as much, if not more, money, and it's rubbish. It's so refreshing, I have to say, Aaron. It's really lovely, in some respects, to hear hear a really honest perspective of that. And uh, I feel your pain, buddy, I have to say, although well, I, what I would say is that any of us who, who like to, to give Roman Abramovich a bit of a knee in the bollocks occasionally should, should you know, listen to what Aaron said about his club. He ain't I as remember, bad as the Glazers. I remember when you guys switched to Nike, I think it was in 2018, and you guys were talking about the Nike store and going in there and oh, trying yeah. to get something basic, yeah, yeah. and you can't. Yeah, exactly. You can't simply go and do that. <clears throat> Over-commercialisation of everything has bastardized football yeah. that's the word bastardized yeah. football totally you right. know and 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 people sit there and they turn around to me and you know they're like why won't you buy from the club shop and i won't i'll wait until it's with classic football shirts i'd rather support a sport small business yeah i'll buy from classic football shirts and i'll buy my whatever replica shirt i want or whatever mate i've just gone and done 100 pound in the wimbledon club shop you know why they need the money more yeah. that's what you call a football club yeah yeah you know and it took look at what happened to them because it's very, very similar. They got sold a dream, or the owners got sold a dream. They realised they were fucked. And it was Premier League money. It was the fact that they were spending £7.5 million on John Hartson. They sold Carl Court. They sold Jason Newell. They sold all these players. The owners pocketed the money, and it all went bang. It's such a scary reality. It is indeed, mate. Um, I'd love to... I, I, we could do two hours just on, on, on this comparison, I think. But we better not, because we've got to, got to roll along. Um, how, how do you see it going? On Sunday, I mean, I think it's going to be quite a tight match myself, yeah. but uh, what do you think? Always is going to be tight. To be honest, let's be honest, Chidge, the games between the big dogs this season, I think the majority of them have been draws and been kind of crap. I can <laughs> see it being one of them 1-1, 0-0, 1 something like that, just a bit dead, really. I'll sit there with my Pringles, I'll try and enjoy it, but to be honest, it will be a game of few chances, I believe, for us, and whatever chances we get, Anthony Martial will spunk them. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that, JK. Tuchel, Tuchel will attempt to stifle because because uh, he he beat you in both away legs in the um, in the Champions League with PSG, didn't he? And lost so, at home. And lost at home. No, they lost at home. Yeah, yeah, lost, yeah they yeah. lost in the Parc de France. Yeah, that's because yeah. that's because that's that's only because Buffon was a bit. He, oh, really? He got a bit. You know. All right, right, well, right. he parried that shot out to Lukaku, didn't he? And Lukaku smashed it home, and then we had the penalty at the end. It, that was that was a very much a one-off game. But the home leg, they played very well against us. I was there. It was actually me and Paddy. Me and Paddy went to that game together. We took we took a rare night off. It was West Ham that night. We did. We, we did. <laughs> took a night off. Um, it should we be interesting, there. just from the point of view that he he's very tuned in to uh, to United Tuchel. So I think he'll have some interesting tactics up his sleeve i think he'll be worried i think quite rightly as we were alluding to earlier he will be worried about united's ability on their counter-attack and their pace and their ability to attack us and the fact that they just won't sit back because we've not had to face that so i think he will he will look to snuff that out so that's why i'm kind of with you aaron i'm i mean irrespective of whether marshall spunks any chances he gets that's if he can be bothered Chich. yeah you know i i do think it's going to be a real it's got draw written all over it, actually. Oh, yeah. So go I mean, on, the then. Let's have a prediction. Panel, say. Well, you I don't know. know. I'm going to ask you. What, what do you reckon? Stick a, stick a number on it. 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Yeah. Doesn't really do either of us any good. I mean, it's all right for you. You'll still be in second. But we could really do with all three points, to be honest. It's it's just... Look, at the end of the day, City are romping their way to this. They league. are, aren't they? But hey, Aaron, 
better than Liverpool winning it, let's be honest. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The only <laughs> hope I've got now is that they don't go and win sort of the treble or the quadruple. Really piss me off, you know, that, yeah. that'd be bad. Yeah. But, um, you know, just... It's one of them ones, Chich. And, you know, it, it for me as well, the fans not being there, you know, I'd, I'd love a good bridge occasion, a real good bridge occasion. Yeah. Sunday afternoon, it gets a bit dark. You go down there... You can see him eating his Smarties up in... <laughs> was it? You know, your breast of pheasant pre-game, you know? <laughs> With a rosemary jus, you know? Yeah, you just, yeah, you just yeah. have Alex swearing at everyone on the, you know, the away from the it, it will have been gilded salmon this weekend, That's... I'm pretty sure. But it just... Without... I don't know about you. For me, you know, I have the privilege of going to football every week. And it's... It's sad, Chid. Because you're you're actually commentating in stadia every, every, where there are no fans. Week, yeah. So what, what's that like, mate? It the sad thing is, is I've become so used to it. I've become so used to it because things have changed for us. Whereas we were what we're press, we're media, but and we get bits and pieces. Now we have designated parking next to our like, entrance bit. So literally we walk in, we get all checked out, we have to do our paperwork. There's hordes of paperwork before the game. We go in, we sit there, and we don't move. We do not move from our seats. We don't leave. The only place you can go is the bathroom. That's it. And it's strange. It's sad, man. You know, the amount of things, excuse me, that have been like missed, you know, occasions that have been missed because there's no fans. So I'm real. And the weird thing is, and you know, I'm not very, I'm, I'm not really an emotional person, but you know, I went to Norwich and there are 2,000 fans in there. And you know, when the, t- the, the players came out to warm up, I there Good was too. just a slight it was so emotional yeah you just heard the music and you just hear them coming out and the fans applauding and singing and oh my god it was emotional and you know like I said to a colleague the other day you know you know obviously if we're not commentating we're reporting if we go and report you know you use the enthusiasm of the crowd and your voice and you can really you're normally well, picking up, aren't you? Ice. You're belting over them. You're yes, exactly, Jay. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. not having them. Like, the other day, I was, I was again, I was Carrow last week. They're playing scintillating football. You're waiting for the goal. The goal goes. They play the little goal music. Yeah, great, cool. But where's the fans? Yeah. And I just miss that noise. And I said to my colleague, you know that back of the net noise? God, it is unreal. And I will never, ever take... Football fans, I'll never take it for granted again. And, you know, people have asked me a lot of questions about whether I think things will go back to normal or whether I think, you know, fans will go to grounds or they'll sit and watch at home. Do you know what? I think grounds will be even more packed. I think the demand for football in grounds will be even bigger. And the atmospheres are going to get better. They're really going to get better. It may well be true that. I think it'll be like Chelsea Moscow Dynamo in 1946 after the war. Where there were 120,000 people there, and they all got on the, all came on the pitch and watched um, by the side of the goal because it was it was the first game after the war. So it'll be it'll be similar I to think, that. I think Did you not. There will be that enthusiasm. Yeah, I, I, I I actually I I'm a, I would agree with you there. I mean we're all we're all champing at the bit to get back to it. No matter how miserable and and cynical we all get as we get older. You 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 know I you can't you, you I can't even describe how much I miss the whole thing and I think I, you know when we get back it's going to be ma- massive really is. I felt massive pangs of guilt Chidge because I I went to the first game at Plough Lane I covered the first game at Plough Lane and 
you know, I felt enormous. And every time I go there, I feel a lot of guilt. The fans have paid for it. They're not just like, you know, support the club. They've paid for the ground. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. did a bomb. They, they raised 11 million pound. They've paid for that ground. I get to sit there first. And I went there and, you know, I went there the other day to, 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 to speak to their manager. You know, I'm blasting Thin Lizzy out the speakers in, in, in the car and I'm booting it around. You know, the boys are back in town. That's their song. And the whole place is dead. And you're just like, shit, this is so sad. Yeah. They've waited so long for that. Yeah. They've waited 30 years to play in Merton and and there's no fans. No. And again, like JK, what you said, like that game after the war, I really, really, really cannot wait for that Saturday, that first Saturday next season. And I think it will be the first Saturday next season. I think we'll see crowds in the playoffs. That's what I understand. Yeah, But, but next season, first Saturday, I want to find out where I'm going. It ain't going to be, it's not going to be the same until we're all back. You know, well, we need well, th- we need forty two thousand or seventy five thousand for you lot, not not you know two or three or ten. And 000. away fans as well. And away fans as well, Martin. Absolutely right. I think right. we will. I think in August, September, we will. Chichi. Well, let's hope I, so. I really got faith. I just hope I'm not sent somewhere shit. You know? <laughs> 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 no, in my life, could be like, are oh, you going Shrewsbury Saturday? Oh, Bournemouth, God. mate. You'll get sent to Bournemouth. Oh, something made bland Reading somewhere bland. Oh, no. Aaron, we got to let you go, mate. But you, it's been so lovely uh, to catch up with you again. We've missed um, your, you've missed your little face for the last couple of years. It's been lovely to catch up and see you. Uh, I wish you all the best for the, the rest of the season. Not perhaps in a United capacity, but I, I love seeing. I mean, obviously, as you know, I follow you on Twitter, and I'm always catching up with your little reports and things. And I, and sometimes if I'm sitting here on a Saturday, you know, because of course I'm not the bloody football, so I might be catching up some work, and I'm listening to the radio, and your little voice comes in. It's like I know that guy. I know that guy. It's fantastic. <laughs> So keep doing what I you do, man. I do the same man. to JK when I'm watching Channel 5, trust me. It's ITV4, you see him chasing geezers around a swimming pool. I text him. There's a point I text him and I'd just be like, oh, you know, is is it true like Mary, Queen of Scots was X, Y, Z? And he'd be like, yep. <laughs> I've just done um, airport security again, the documentary where they're all, everybody tries to smuggle cocaine. And that I've just done. I've been doing that from from a little room here. Yeah, he's and developed a sniff as a result. Yeah, from from, uh, from, from attempting to smuggle four hundred and fifty grams of cocaine. Keep you just it. use the use the right word on that. Clandestines. I love it. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of that word used. Yeah. Enough Thank people. You. Enough. Aaron, uh, have fun tonight on on Thank Radio Five. Um, where where can people check it out if they want to listen to uh, it? So it's tonight nine pm BBC Radio Five Live seventy two plus. It's a new football league pod. Look, it's very quickly. It's not just about oh, you know, it's not a review preview kind of thing. We're looking into football clubs, what actually goes on, the shit behind the scenes. We have a real, real good panel with us. Lyle Taylor, Joby McAnuff, Darren McAntony, Peterborough United owner, is always with us as well. Ryan Lowe, the manager, Glenn Murray, loads of people. This week, Danny Cowley, Mark Robinson, the new Wimbledon manager, uh, Glenn Murray, loads of people on. And you can catch it on BBC Sounds as well. 72 plus, BBC Sounds. Trust me, it's a good listen. If you don't like it, then... Tough. (laughs) <laughs> write me a letter well give me a call if I don't pick up don't call back <laughs> brilliant Aaron take care mate lovely to see you we'll hopefully Thanks speak to you much, again guys. sometime soon but you take care take great care. to see you mate Cheers. see ya real fans real opinions I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast up the Chelsea Football Fancast.com
Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, the preview show of a Friday evening, horribly over budget as we often tend to be. But I have to say, JK, uh, with good reason tonight, because Aaron, how lovely to catch up with Aaron again. What a lovely bloke. Oh, God, well, it was really interesting, actually, to not have him um, um, pushing the show along and allowing us to speak and him having an opportunity just to uh, get his own back. About, yeah, to an extent. Yeah, <laughs> talking about United and wonderfully informed and um, brilliantly fluent. Brilliant. Yeah, he's, he's a really interesting He's guy. done really, really well for himself, oh, actually, since so Love well, Sport. Actually. He's Yeah, he's, he's better off out of that madhouse, and he's now yeah. doing proper work, which is really good to see. Anyway, right, it's our turn now. Uh, I've got, uh, obviously, I'm Stanford Chidge, as you all know. Jonathan Kidd, you just heard from there, and, of course, the uh, the wonderful Martin Wickham. I'm still uh, here. He's still here, too. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's now our turn to talk about the uh, Chelsea United game on Sunday. Uh, and we've already kind of alluded to a lot of the points I wanted to uh, talk about, really, about this game, because it's all pretty obvious. I mean, there's only so many ways you can swing a particular cat. But uh, I think I'll start with this one, really. Um, you know, given given United's proclivity to attacking Martin and and the fact that we haven't really faced, I don't think, yet, apart from, oddly, Barnsley, I, su- I suppose, who Tuchel himself admitted was the most difficult match he's faced so far. They are likely to attack us. So I do wonder whether he will start with Jorginho, which kind of picks up on what we were talking about earlier, and whether he might start Conte and uh, Kovacic. Yeah, well, as we've... Well, I've certainly said a few times, Jorginho is a horses for courses player, and he looked good on Tuesday because Atletico sat back and he wasn't pressured. We know United will attack. We know they will pressure and we know they'll look to hit us on the counter. So if he does get put under pressure, he could be susceptible to giving the ball away, being forced into a mistake. So I think it's something that he will consider whether he decides to bring Kante in with Kovacic. I don't know because it can't, it can't really argue against the fact that he has played and we've had some very impressive results and it was capped off on Tuesday with what happened there. Mm, I know, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because... It's it's not black and white. It's full of nuance, J.K. As we were kind of saying earlier on, wasn't it? I don't think he, yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's going to play the. Uh, he's not going to play a four at the back. I don't. Th- it seems obvious to me now that that's he's, he's now settled for the for the. It's the working. Three. It's working. With, it, as of, of, we've got teams, we've got a team that won a league title after a switch to three at the back. Yeah. We have got key members of that squad still there. We've got Dave still there. We've got Alonso. Christian settled in well the season after and looked like a fish out of water when it got switched back to a four and I owe the man a massive apology for some of the stick I've given him on here as you might have seen on the WhatsApp group yeah, Tuesday yeah, night yeah. but um, fair yeah. enough though fair stick, enough it's not, not performed well in a four has he He's no he hasn't but ball. it's yeah. not rather than dogmatically sticking to it it's immediately switched to a three and as a result of how he's played we haven't had to rush Thiago Silva back which is I, I wonder that if Silva will actually get back if Christensen plays as well as that because uh, um, he, he's a slightly more sprightly alternative. I mean, I mean, having having said that though, Silver is a really class Rolls Royce, mate. Absolutely, yeah. and what, once he's once he's fit, he will play because there will be an absolutely stupid schedule to the end of the season. But yeah, it won't, he doesn't need to be rushed back. He didn't need to be rushed back on Tuesday. He doesn't need to be rushed back on Sunday. But he's, if he's, he's, fit, he's definitely not in for Sunday. No, and if he's fit on if he's ready for, say, Thursday or the game against Everton a week later, great. Yeah. But no, no, we don't have to play him every single game if Christensen is looking as composed as he has. 
don't you feel that after the game on the uh, uh, during the week on the Tuesday that one's perception of actually what Tuchel is doing has changed because Southampton was so awful um uh but we now see that he's constantly thinking about ways of using this this three at the back and and the the fact that they completely prevented um uh, Atletico from getting the ball forward and pushed them out he will have come up with a plan to deal with United specifically because of the experience that he had last year beating them in the, in the Champions League so um, I'm just intrigued as to see how he could then make that work well um, it's a good question it's a really good question because I think I think of course he will but if the players don't do what he tells them to it all goes to tits up if as, if as we found against yeah Saints. well also if the opposition manager comes up with a plan that yeah, he hasn't thought of like like Hasenhutl did with Alonso it all goes yeah. to shit so I mean that's the thing with football you know you've got to deal with what's happening in front of you in real time but I think you know just to pick up on one of the things that you're alluding to JK one of the things he's got to do in my book is to come up with a way to deal with United's counter-attacking I mean so far we've dealt with that really really well and I think that's very much fundamental to having three at the back but of course you know that means the the wing backs have got to do their fair share of defending as well the other thing is they've got and this is interesting actually because Fernandez is a very clever player nay cheat and he has this ability to go down either in the box or just outside it and win a lot of free kicks from which they score. How many times have we seen Chelsea defenders or midfielders give away free kicks five yards outside of the box? It's a given. Got to be, they have got to be so much more streetwise than they are. Yeah. I mean, I know Jorginho has an allergy to playing second legs in Europe and he gets suspended for a lot of them, but, <laughs> you know, Mount just falls, in, just fell into the trap straight away. You have to play differently in Europe for certain and against Fernandez, don't foul him in our own half. Just well, you know, we, we, do do whatever you can, shepherd him out, whatever you need to do, pinch his thigh, I don't know, do something. Well, but we, We've got Stuart Atwell as the referee on Sunday, which, I, you know, no referees are good in my book, but it's certainly better than having Mike Dean or Anthony Taylor, who I think would get conned stupid by Fernandez. Or Atkinson, who just is too far oh, off the face of the game. I can't get my head around Atkinson because he looks Atkinson like... Atkinson was old 10 years ago yeah. when Ferguson slagged him off and he's still going. I, I don't understand well, that. Well, he, he also looks like Dr. Mart, which really unnerves me. So <laughs> I keep thinking Dr. Mart's kind of Don the Black Gab. But, uh, I mean, that, that's... Can a... I just ask a question? Just ask a question a second here. Would, do United not play similarly to Atletico to the extent that they they... They're very swift out of out of the uh, the defensive mode, so in a sense, uh, Jorginho might be the player for that. Maybe. If if because it's it seems to just it's the the speed out. But if you're preventing them from coming out as we did with with Atletico, then perhaps you're controlling the game better. This is why I'm I'm intrigued to see what they'll come up with because clearly Tuchel uh, gave a, another wonderful press conference today. I'm just slightly um, falling in love with him. Um, uh, but no, he, he's just such a bright guy, and and I was so impressed with the way he dealt with that Atletico during the week that uh, that I have high hopes for Sunday. In fact, well, so, well, uh, maybe. Uh, I mean, as we said, you know, the beauty of of having you know Jorginho and Kovacic, and I think perhaps those two particularly is that you do we do keep hold of the ball. But I, I still I still think that um, Chelsea's huge problem at the moment 
is is a problem that's been going on for some time now, which is either we can defend really well and be absolutely toothless up front or be great up front and rubbish at the back. We just don't seem to be able to put a team together that can do both. And I think that everything that, you know, quite rightly, as I said earlier on, you know, quite rightly what Tuchel's done, he's looked at it and said, this is a this is a side that can't defend. We're not going anywhere unless we learn how to. So I'll shore up the back first. Let's go to a back three. They look... I look like they've got the players that can play a back three. We'll do that. And the rest will follow. Um, and I think this is what leads me to think that we could be in for a, for a, for a draw here on Sunday. Because I, I, I still think that unless, unless it all mysteriously clicks, because this is what I can't understand. Well, I think I can. But, you know, you've got, what, Werner, Abraham, Giroud, Pulisic, Havertz, um, Ziyech, Hudson Odoi, Mason Mount. You've got players here who you would say these these guys know what they're doing. They're great. They're great up front. They're they're creative. They they can score goals, and that's true. But they clearly aren't. Maybe the problem is is that we don't have that that service that link from midfield to attack. And when you've got whether it be Kante, Kovacic, uh, or Jorginho in the midfield. You know the only the only kind of creative force is coming from the width in the wing backs. It's not coming through the middle. We're not linking up the midfield with those great attacking players that we've got. But isn't that also to do with the fact that we can't shoot? I mean, we keep going back about. Well, that. I agree. Yeah. There's all sorts of other reasons too. Like they're all in horrendous form. They can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, etc., etc., etc. But I do think there's a systemic problem too, and I think that we just don't have enough creative midfielders. I mean, if you go back. I mean, we say it like a bloody broken record on this show, but if you go back far enough, you know, Mikel and Makaleli were the only two kind of what we would call bona fide defensive midfielders that we have playing regularly. But everybody else that played in the midfield was capable of connecting the play and scoring. Essien, Ballock, Lampard, to name but three. You know, and I think that's that's the problem. And I mean, I, it really grinds my gears, all this talk about, oh, we've got to buy another world-class striker. Oh, we've got to buy another world-class centre-back. Why don't we, why aren't we looking at the midfield? I think the midfield is the bigger problem area. Or am I just nuts, Martin? Um, I just Don't answer think, that. Oh, it's a rhetorical <laughs> question, was it, bastard? <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> so... I, you know, I, I just think we he started with the defence, getting that sorted because it was an absolute joke at times how exposed they were, and to do that he's had he's imposed discipline in the midfield, defensive discipline. As a result, creativity has taken a back seat. I mean, yeah, we could buy like I say, I think we curse strikers. <laughs> We've been doing it for years. It's not a new thing. Um, I don't know who would come in into that midfield and make an immediate impact. But that's what we're going to find out in the summer, I guess. I, I don't think we have the players. I mean, one one solution that's been positive, which I, I don't think is a bad one, actually. It'd be interesting to hear what JK thinks of this. But, you know, we said it on the show donkeys ago. You know, even if he's playing this 3-4-2-1, maybe think about playing Mount as one of the midfield two with Kante or it doesn't really matter Kante you know if you look at if you've got Kante Jorginho or Kovacic as one of them any one of those three stick Mount in next to them and then you've got more forward momentum and creativity from the deep lying midfielders you know you can stick I mean one of the things that people are always criticizing Chelsea for at the moment which I think is absolutely valid we've got too many bloody number 10s so you know recognize that mount can play anywhere he's that good it's like kante can play anywhere really 
So maybe that's how you deal with it. Move move Mount back and have say Havertz as your as your number ten with with Werner or whoever. He wouldn't be as good as Mount though playing at that position. Well, I, this is the they're in like yeah. I totally mate. I totally totally get it. But you know what? You know this very well because you're old enough to remember. Am I? You are. I'm. I'm not. I was only one year old when this happened. But you know, you looked at the England 1966 World Cup winning team. You know, you didn't necessarily have the best eleven players in the world playing for England. What you had was the best team. And what Ramsey did was he moulded a team that fitted together and worked really, really well. And that's the art of football. It's not about having the best eleven individuals on that pitch. And if you've got somebody like Mount who is good enough to be able to play anywhere, yeah, he might be brilliant as the number 10, but you've got other players. Pulisic can play number 10. Has, uh, uh, Havertz can. Ziyech can play in that role. So maybe you make the best team by having Mount come back a bit and, and be that link that we so desperately need, I think, between midfield and attack. Just mentioning Ziyech and, uh, and Havertz, when they came on, I thought they were liberated. They looked. They looked absolutely at ease in a way they haven't done. Well, yeah, slower, time. slower football. Not enough. You know, it's not aggressive. People aren't pressing they them. No, you know, I mean, they're they're European players and they get more time on the ball and they don't have some hairy ass agricultural player up their ass, do they? No. You know, of which there are many. Of which yeah. there are many. Which is why British football is the greatest football in the world because even no. the shit players have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> God love us, mate. There you go. I don't know. It's all very crazy. Now, listen, we were talking about up front. Um, you know, I think if we were being utterly objective, we would say that even against Atletico, we were creating chances and not putting them away. So we're still being very, very wasteful up front, which begs a humongous question on the basis that if we're going 3-4-2-1, then we would imagine that Werner will be one of the two up front of that three. Um, and no doubt Mount as his partner. So who gets the, the the striker, the lone striker role? Is it Giroud or Tammy, JK? Um, I would play Giroud after his experience during the week, um, just because of his ability to uh, to snatch the moment, which I'm not convinced at the moment Tammy is, um, is up for. Um, uh, but um, I don't know, once again... Uh, will he surprise us? Will he come up with a with a combination? Uh, he might play Pulisic and then have um, not have a, a, a central um, may have a false nine. You never know what he what he works out. Um, in which case, Adoy would play. I'd, I, I, for Adoy's right wing back, yeah, um, Pulisic would have to be the false nine in the middle, wouldn't he? Um, uh, at least Pulisic's fit, um, and if he's playing. If he's been playing well enough in training, he should get he should get a nod. At least he'll get a go. He'll come on. I'm not convinced Ayek will, but no, I think he'll try and play the side. I thought he'll play the same side actually that he played during the week. Yeah. I'd have thought that because um, uh, Giroud on those moments becomes talismanic. You just think he can't he can't drop him. But he said in the press conference today, he said uh, yes, he's ready to play all the time. It's a question of whether I select him in essence. So he's he's not going to give the game away, but. Um, uh, his ability to score great goals um, and the dilemma is he's occasionally he plays like you know the Iron Man in uh, the Tin Man in the Wizard of Oz and you just think well you know it's, it's all a bit too stiff and he's not he what was he described as bovine by Barney Barney Roney in the uh, uh, in the Guardian this week like uh, a cow of, you know 
Yeah, 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 bullish aspect, yeah. But at the, the Vashki Re. You know, the, but we are yes, very much very similar, <laughs> yes, with an earring. But but it was it the fact that he can score these goals. We don't have a, a player in the side at the moment who can score goals like that. But um, and it's, it's a toss-up, isn't it? If Tammy doesn't look as if he's he took him off against Southampton because he was just absolutely away with the fairies. But if if he he wasn't contributing anything and took him off at half time, everybody was saying it was his injury. He wasn't injured. It was a, completely that he wasn't involved in the game. So if but when Tammy's involved and he and if if Reece James plays and comes on, or even with even with with Hudson Odoi, um, he gets into the into the. He's much, so much quicker than Giroud. He just he puts himself about a lot more. But at the moment, to me, that's not enough. It's about scoring these goals from the edge of the area that nobody else is contributing, or that kind of magic moment which Giroud can conjure up. But I, I, the, really, to the 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 essence of it is that neither of them is actually good enough for me to the kind of player that needs to be there, like a, a younger Aguero or something who would just from every angle hit the target. That's what we're after. And that's what we need to aspire to, to get the club playing elite football again. I mean, having said that, though, we might have a run in the in the uh, the Champions League this season because of his tactical excellence. We will find out. We will indeed. I mean, I, I am, I'm pleasantly surprised by that because, I, I, let's face it, when that draw came out, none of us thought we'd be going, hey, we've, we've still got to win the second leg, guys. Yeah. Yeah, still no, a long way yeah. going that game. Yeah, They've got to and, just keep it tight first 15 minutes. Go yeah, from there. Yeah. They can... And no man do them and nick them on the air. And no well, man, no, no Jorginho. So well, I know, around, but... I know. Martin, uh, what, what what do you think is going to happen up front? I mean, I I, I, I think JK's nailed most of that, but uh, it's an interesting choice that he's got for Sunday, isn't it? I think uh, against a, a lummox like Harry Maguire, I think Giroud can make him look very silly very quickly because he's deceptively strong. I think it's the ultimate, you know, cavalier versus a roundhead. I think was it the um. Cup semi-final? Did he score last Cup semi-final? I can't remember. All I can yeah. remember is Mount scoring that great goal. I remember Mount scoring. I'm pretty sure either he put himself about and Maguire made a dick of himself or scored an own goal. I can't remember which, but I think initially it will be a physical battle. One, and maybe later on in the game, you you can put Tammy in to play off the shoulder. I don't know, but yeah, I would start Giroud. I think he's. I don't know if he's. You, call him a great goal scorer or a scorer of great goals that's the thing the, the latter I think yeah definitely yeah the I latter. think so as well it's a real tough one isn't it I mean you know because I think the, the trouble is if, if if Werner was banging them in we wouldn't even be having this discussion but true, until true. he starts doing that it's all it's all it's all moot isn't it oh well who knows I mean the one thing I, I meant to ask Aaron actually uh but Aaron Aaron just delighted us talking about everything he talked about but I was going to ask him how on earth Harry Maguire gets away with it with such you know impunity every flaming match I mean obviously he 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 you know we should have had a penalty uh with for his foul on Aspilicueta he managed to elbow I mean I would always approve of anybody elbowing Lascelles in the face uh but that aside that that should have been a penalty uh for Newcastle last week Martin, he's a real. He's a. I don't like him. I have to say, I, as a footballer, I don't think he's very good, and I think he's a snide ass as well as are most of the United players. But Maguire, Maguire particularly. Not forgetting the fact that he uh, nearly castrated Mitchy Bashwai and got away with it, even after a VAR check. Absolutely right. Absolutely I think he's a, right. You know, he's just over overrated player with an England tax on him. I think he's. Yeah. A bit of a, I mean, I've, I don't want to go down the you know the whole football Twitter thing, but you do see. Man United fans just, you know, posting pictures of rusty refrigerators when they want to describe him. 
which is quite amusing. I'm not a fan. I think he's a snide over. He's snide. He's overrated. Bit of a lummox. He's been peculiarly protected by by the ref, isn't he? That that foul he did the other day when he just barged. He's not uh, that kind of player, J.K. Is that that well? You what wonder about what... the, the most stupid expression in football. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, yeah, which was first coined after Ryan Shawcross broke a geezer's leg. It's a load of bollocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hey ho. Uh, well, look, let's hope if he does do anything nefarious, which of course he's bound to do, it actually gets picked up for a change and we benefit. Um, so, J.K., how do you see it going, my old China? We're going to win. We're going to win five-one, gonna... J.K. This week, three-one, three-one. I'm not going mad this time, but no, three one. No, three one, mate. That's a tad optimistic, as much as I love you. Martin, what do you say? I think we will both end up cancelling each other out, but I can't bring myself to say we're not gonna win, so I'm gonna say two one Chelsea. Okay, well I, I'm gonna I, I, I just think that you know United have not lost I mean, here we go. Nineteen Premier League games unbeaten. Uh okay. Uh, began at the bridge with a 2-0 win in February 2020. But they've not lost away all season, which is frightening. Um, you know, we're aiming to keep our fourth consecutive home clean sheet in the top flight for the first time in three years. I, I just think this has got draw written all over it. I, I mean, plus the fact that we couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, as we keep saying. So I, I'm I'm thinking, you know, I, I, and Cavani's out for them as well which I don't think that will ha- will help them particularly. And I think there's a doubt about James as well. But uh, I, I've got a, I, I think this has got a draw written all over it. I'm going 1-1. Much as it pains me to say it, because I'd love to smash the Manx, as I always do. But I'm surprised, they, play- I'm surprised they played as strong a team as they did on Thursday. I don't know why the hell Bruno Fernandes was even on the bench, let alone starting. So, you know, with any luck, um, we can eke it out late but I think it is going to be a, an attritional game either way because I think we've had a bit of a mental block playing Manchester United for years this predates this goes back to when Conte was in charge well, Martin, we could, last we time win last time we beat United in the league was in 2017 yes 4-0 so, wasn't it no 1-0 no no no, no. the 4-0 we, we beat them in that was the, the season before yeah. well we, we keep beating them in the cup with with the disgraceful uh, you know regularity which is wonderful um, but uh, your, the, the 4-0 um, was I think that was would have been Conte as well wouldn't it and that was his first time against United and, and uh, he, he humiliated Mourinho in more ways than one don't you remember yeah, but I do but then I also remember we went to Old Trafford played rather timidly and lost 2-0 on the verge of the title and I think there's you know there's been times where you know a Moyes Moyes was in charge of Man U and we gave them far too much respect. Yeah. I think there's been a bitter and I I, I maintain as well that that four 0 loss on Lampard's first game in charge. I think he was still thinking of that back in October with that nil nil. Undoubtedly, and 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 who oh, absolutely could, yeah. And who yeah. who could blame him? Although maybe he should have been thinking about the three one that we dished out of them in the cup semi final where we absolutely played them off the park. But the reality is, is that they've had the Indian sign on us for a while. And I mean, that's interesting, actually, because our record against uh, Man United in the Premier League, I think is still, I think it's still the best record of anybody against Man United in the Premier League. We've we've always tended to do well against them. Nevertheless, Martin's going 2-1, JK's going for 3-1. I'm going, I'm being Mr. Cautious. I'm going 1-1. So there you go. You heard it here first. Is that in your, uh, your 
predictions? Is it well, it's in your... funny you should say that, JK. I haven't yeah. as yet made my predictions, but I can give you all an update on the Prem Predictions League because we've been a bit remiss in this recently. And uh, last week was quite interesting. I, I was shocking, and then it all started to come rather good. Uh, but I'm still languishing in 19th place. Um, I am, however, above uh, some fellow fancasters, it being Mark Meehan, who's in 22nd, and Tony Glover, who's in 25th, and somebody called Jonathan Kidd, who is 30th. But you are you are picking up, actually. A, you're no longer bottom, although Chev and Harry joined about three weeks ago. So obviously <laughs> you have a bit of an advantage. But you've got 72 points, including 28 bonus points for predicting that Man City would score the quickest goal. Uh, yeah, I've done it again. I think they'll do the same again. All right. Well, uh, you know, well, that's an interesting point actually, because uh, if we do beat United, uh, West Ham have got City, so you know that will be good for us because we'll go above them and we need to. But anyway, you're in thirtieth, but you are you are doing better than you were. That's for sure. Um, above me in the Chelsea Fancasters Select Mini League, uh, Dane Whittle is just above me. Dane is remarkable. He's up and down like a yo-yo, but. He's in 18th. I'm in 19th. Martin had a shocker. Martin was in the top 10 not that long ago. He's now down to 14th. And yep. and the leader of the Chelsea fancast pack is Marco, who's in 13th. So Martin, explain yourself because you're you you're our, you are you've been our most consistent and best player up till now. I did warn you I was due some shit weeks. I've had about 3 in a row now, so um looking to turn it around this week, but no doubt I've probably bollocked it up somewhere and back Everton to do well and they've let me down like they usually do, the fuckers. Yeah, well, you, you, you got 39 points last week and I got 107 and JK got 72, so that is shocking. You're dead right. That's, that's not good. Anyway, the people are doing really, really, really well. I mean, Joe Mingola, bless his little heart, he's still way out in front. Um, remarkable, absolutely remarkable bloke. Um, you know, he's he's way out ahead. Uh, Josh Wadsworth is in second. Yarrick Koska is in third. These guys have consistently been there or thereabouts. Uh, Freddie Carberg uh, got more... I mean, he got, I think, 372 points a couple of weeks ago, which I think was the most points that anybody's got in a week in the entire thing, not just our league. So I think Freddie will be earning himself some money for that performance. Uh, But the best performer of the week, and someone, again, who has been just utterly brilliant and uh, consistent is the lovely Claire McConnell. Uh, she got 223 points last week and she's in fourth. But I mean, those, I mean, the, our top 10 are phenomenal. I'll just read you a few more. Chris Thomas is in fifth, Ash Pinto sixth, Freddie Carberg seventh, John uh, J. Hines is in eighth, Steve Burton is ninth and Supreeth Manava is 10th. Uh, but I, I don't know how you lot do it. You put us all to shame, but there you go. What can I say, boys? We must do better. I'll try and spend a bit more time looking at um, previous results and uh, whether players are injured and that kind of thing, which I think is essential. I think you need a bit of a bit of um, research into this. I, I tend to I, go I on, on gut instinct, or even I go on um, 1966 results around about that era. I go, what happened then? How did they go? Leeds, Leeds. Uh, do you know Leeds, what? Leeds. I mean, you know, Joe, Joe is in the Discord group, as you know, and I often talk to him about about it and. He will confirm that there is no rhyme or reason to this whatsoever. You know, I think what he's done is he's he's playing a percentage game now because he's he's got a healthy lead. But the reality is, I mean, you know, for example, leads are unbackable. 
you cannot yeah, predict. One beat, yeah. One beat rubbish. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think it's really difficult this year because football is really difficult to predict this year. It's, it's, we've never had a season like this. And yeah. the one thing I would say is I completely missed how badly Southampton's form had tailed off. Yeah, I've only just picked up on it now, which means they'll probably start fucking winning again. Uh, <laughs> hey ho, it's great fun. I have to say, yeah. our Prem Predictions League is. Been... I'm going to put more time into it as well. Yeah. I'm going to take ten minutes to do the predictions rather than five. I still, I still do my, uh, you know, fastest. Uh, scoring team by literally I, I blow it up on, on the computer screen so all you can see are the, the fixtures and then I whiz my mouse around, shut my eyes, whiz the mouse around and then stop it and wherever it is nearest to that's who I I shit you not because I Sheffield tell you what, United I'll yeah. bollocks I'm doing no, that no, because I tell you it's more bloody effective than actually trying to work it out sensibly so there you go, it's like the equivalent of pinning a, a tail on a donkey mate with your blindfold on so there you go. What do I know? Um, I've one other bit of news before we disappear and, and, and leave you to your weekend is that I have some great news coming for you, I think, next week. But uh, I've done a deal. I've done a deal in a Harry Redknapp styley with a football memorabilia company where basically you buy tickets. Uh, it's effectively what they do is that they... They have, you know, like signed shirts, framed signed shirts, all this kind of thing. And you, you pay about a fiver for a ticket and you go into a, a draw and they do a live draw on a, on a Wednesday and you have a chance of winning. And it'll all be Chelsea memorabilia. You know, they do it for lots of other clubs, but it'll for us, I mean, like an Eden Hazard signed shirt, for example. So there you go. So there'll hopefully be news of that on Monday. Well, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Well, that's what I said to this lovely bloke called Bill. That is, in fact, his name. You know, who's uh, who is a lead supporter who set up this company, and I'm saying, well, I think you know, all all kind of like real real supporters that I know, we all love memorabilia. I mean, everybody that I know who really loves it, they've got signed shit. You know, everybody I know has got signed shit. We just do. It's what we're about, isn't it? I mean, I've got them all up on the wall, as you know. Now it's taken me years to do it, but I've finally done it. So yeah, I think this 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 might be quite a giggle. So you basically pay a five, get into the draw, and you have got a chance of winning a signed shirt. Lovely. Sounds good to me. I'll be up for that. You like that? Like that, Martin? Decent. I need I need to hang the one bit of sign memorabilia I've got. I still ain't hung it on a wall yet, so I need to get my arse in gear. You do indeed. All right, uh, we got lovely love you and leave you. It's been great fun tonight again. Over budget. What did I say on Monday? We must keep to an hour, J.K. We must keep to an hour. Yeah. I blame I blame Aaron Aaron Paul, mate. I blame Aaron Paul for being brilliant. For yeah, being wasn't it lovely to to catch up with him? Fantastic. Yeah, great. Yeah, really lovely. Really lovely. Okay, well, look, we've got to go. Um, we the, will. The look. The one thing I would say: the look on his face when you said it's live was priceless. And, <laughs> and disturbingly, he does a better Irish accent than me. My parents are Irish. He's a really good lad. It was lovely to see Aaron. Lovely to see Sam, of course, from Football.London. And, of course, lovely for all of you lot who've been listening in tonight as well. Now, JK and myself will be back on Monday evening, of course, for the usual Chelsea fancast, uh, to look back at the match against United and, of course, ahead to the massive match against Liverpool on Thursday. They just come so thick and fast. There will be two other people with us, but I've not actually done the schedule yet. But I will try and do it tomorrow morning. Wherever they are, they'll be excellent. Of course they will. They're Chelsea fancasts. They're all quality. Anyway, that's it from me and JK. Lovely to be on the show. You too. Lovely to see you. Uh, Martin, as always, good to see you. Yep, likewise. Lovely to see you all. Really enjoyed it. Well done, Martin. Great stuff. Thank you to everybody in Mixler. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chills. 
up the chills. Podcasts, die wir lieben. Es ist nicht alles gay, was glänzt. Oder doch? Das klären wir jetzt in Busenfreundin, der Podcast. Hey Leute, mein Name ist Ricarda. Ich bin Comedy-Autorin und die Stimme des LGBTIQ-Podcasts Busenfreundin. Und ich treffe jede Woche spannende Menschen und spreche mit ihnen über alles, was die queere Szene bewegt. Bei Busenfreundin gibt es Unterhaltung gepaart mit Haltung. Oft. Also nicht immer. Denn manchmal schweife ich auch ab, zum Beispiel mit Leuten wie Riccardo Simonetti, Sarah Kuttner und vielen, vielen mehr. Also schaltet jetzt ein zu Busenfreundin, eurem Lieblings-LGBTIQ-Infotainment-Podcast. Bei Acast finden die besten Podcasts aus aller Welt ein Zuhause. Abonniere diese Show oder finde weitere spannende Podcasts bei Acast oder wo immer du Podcasts hörst.